0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It is NFL Week 10. John McKechney, Mario Puig, breaking it all down with you every single game fantasy angles, betting angles, all that good stuff and more. Stay tuned. Welcome on in. This is the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, again brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. I'm your host, John McCagney joined, as always, by Mario Puig. Mario, we're into week 10. Uh, if you're listening live, apologies for, for the slight change from our usual um, podcasting, recording, streaming time. Uh, had to travel this morning, and I'm actually, as you might be able to see, I'm right here in Roto-Wire headquarters.
2: Yeah, uh, we already are anticipating a lot of complaints about how uh there's no leaf blower ambience and uh th- instead this this kind of sterile silent noise is grating on us but uh it's just one week so just get over it i guess
1: yeah you know the the, the professional equipment and and all that good stuff uh, it really pales in comparison to you know the the nice sounds pro- provided by the the maintenance crew at at my apartment building but you know we're we're going to soldier on we're going to press through you know, it's it's November. We're It's getting cold out. We're going to grit through it. And uh, what game could be grittier, Mario, than the Falcons versus the Panthers kicking us off uh, here for week 10? Um, what's the what's the initial lean on this one? You know that this the spread has come down, I believe, a little bit over the course of the week where the Falcons, I think, were three, three and a half point favorites. Uh, now checking in is two and a half point favorites. Um, So your thoughts on this matchup as we get things started in week 10?
2: Yeah, and I think this morning, the over-under, which had gone from 41 to 42 and a half, went down to 41 and a half. So it's a half point up, but a little bit lower than where it had been, where it had been moving. So, um, I mean, it's a weird game, of course. Uh, A lot of weird things about this matchup, and especially on the Carolina side. They got clobbered by the Bengals, of course, on Sunday, and uh, I I don't know what, like, I, I certainly didn't foresee how badly that got, and I thought uh, <clears throat> there was some things that I thought the Panthers could have done on defense that they just didn't, and, you know, they they particularly fell apart as a run defense against Joe Mixon, so if you're falling apart as a run defense, you, you generally probably don't want to see on a short week the Falcons come up next because... They're gonna make your guys play a lot of run defense reps, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, disciplined gap kind of defense, run defense that you can only play by clobbering other huge guys who are who are trying to hurt you like 30, 35 times, and that does wear teams out, and it's it's kind of part of the formula all year for the Falcons. Like they just they try to sort of soften up the defense with Tyler Algier and, and Caleb Huntley. And hope to spring a, a few big plays out of it, and it it seems to be working. I mean, it's, it they just seem like an unpleasant offense to play against, even though they're not particularly good, uh, especially as a as a passing offense, of course. So, uh, if the if the Panthers play like they did against the Bengals, then the Falcons should be able to take care of business here. But of course, last time they only got the win because of uh, the, the dubious, uh, very very Hall Monitor like. Uh, penalty on DJ Moore, and then the missed extra point uh, by the Carolina kicker too. So it was like the, the Falcons should have lost that game. I don't know whether you look at that as like, oh, well, now they're now they're gonna you know pay uh, now, now their luck is gonna run out and they're gonna lose this one. I think the lucky part, the 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 regressing part from the first matchup is that the Panthers were in it much at all, uh, especially yeah. like PJ Walker. <clears throat> PJ Walker will reliably trend toward like. 57% of his pass is completed for like six, maybe and a half yards per pass. And if you're doing that, you will just kind of lose the vast majority of the games. And uh, he had to particularly that big play to Moore kind of juicing his numbers last time. And it's like, if that play doesn't happen, it, it's just like they, they never moved the ball the whole game. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Foreman uh, on the other, uh, like Foreman, I, I think can be, of course, like last time he, he lit up the, uh, the, Falcons defense, put three touchdowns on them, and he can do that again, I just, I think the Atlanta run offense should also be pretty good, and uh, like Kyle Pitts hurt the Panthers last time, he might do it again this time, because if you're putting, I guess it's a question of like what they do with J.C. Horn, but if they put J.C. Horn on Drake London, they're asking for Kyle Pitts to beat them, and if they try to do something with J.C. Horn on Pitts, which they could do, uh, didn't South Carolina actually try to do that at Florida. Like I feel like we saw that matchup before or something. Um, but anyway, if they put huh. J.C. Horn on Pitts, and if Horn wins that rep, they're kind of uh, encouraging London to beat them. Then so there should be something that the, the Falcons have most of the game. And uh, if Algier, if, not to not to skip Corderell. Corderell being back is great. But uh, it's just to say uh, the Algier Huntley combo is just really tough to deal with, and you you have to score on offense. To take them away from Atlanta, uh, but the Panthers—I don't know if they're going to be able to score in this game unless they bench PJ Walker for Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a mess uh, as far as the Carolina side of this goes. I, I tend to agree with you. Where you know, if anything, the Panthers were lucky to to have made that game as close as they did. I, I think, you know, the 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 kind of big viral thing that that came from that game was that PJ Walker's pass was the longest pass. Uh, in terms of distance that was completed, I, I believe, at least for this entire season, it was like 60 yards in the air something crazy like that. Just an absolute prayer. Uh, obviously, you can't build an offense around that. That was a kind of a last second desperation type of dealio, hence DJ Moore's uh, helmet throw in the first place. So I think the Falcons are, are the better side. They, they played a game last week that truly only the Falcons and the Chargers could have played like that. No, no other uh, matchup of teams could have produced the, the goofiness that that was Falcons Chargers, but I think the Falcons get back on the right track here, and and I think that they not only win, uh, but they cover um, as far as the over under is concerned. You know, this could be a good spot for Atlanta's offense, like you said. It, it's not super high passing volume, anything like that. But I think Carolina could make some mistakes that that end up costing them on the scoreboard, and you know, we we start to see the Falcons. Score into the mid twenties, and then you know the Panthers can just kind of find a way to to you know get to fourteen, seventeen points, something like that.
2: Yeah, the, uh, excuse me. The Atlanta defense does need to be careful. I think especially with Foreman, because if you can t- contain Foreman, don't let Foreman do what he did last time, then you at that point have the cushion to withstand the big play to DJ Moore, and they might need that cushion because they don't have AJ Terrell again, so they're down to their third corner onward. So uh, they have to, they have to like show up, but as long as they do, I think they should be able to, you know, even if it comes down to like a field goal, I think they'll win it. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So we're, we're in line uh, with that game. I uh, got a question from, from our user Jackson or uh, fellow watcher. Um, would you start Jerry Judy or Darnell Mooney this week?
2: Uh, probably Judy, but let me take another look real quick. Uh, The Bears got here again.
1: The Bears have the Lions, and the Bears are at home. Mm,
2: Yeah, I think I would. I would still go with Judy, uh, just because. I don't know. I just. I just think he's. He's better, basically.
1: Yeah, I I do as well. I know that the the Lions matchup and last week's offensive outburst for Chicago can make that tempting. in a way that it wasn't like a month ago, but at the same time, I I, I still probably lean uh, Judy in that setup as well. All right, let's go on over to Germany, Mario, the inaugural, I believe, ger- German game, game in Germany um, between the, the Buccaneers yeah. and the Seahawks. I was talking to uh, Jeff and and Whalen on the XM show earlier this week. We were talking about it and, you know, they, they were confused as to why. Uh, the Buccaneers were favored in this one, and I just kind of thought that it played directly into Tom Brady's hands, where he can go to Germany get some sort of I don't know crazy transfusion and and be superhuman.
2: Yeah, he can get some kind of like stem cell smelling salts or something to <laughs> get like a was it berserker kind of effect for thirty minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that stem kind of smells. booster, yeah, that kind of booster can can really. Uh, make a difference, and and they might need to use some of their uh, bagged items uh, to to offset, you know, the the travel disorientation.
1: So that that's why I thought that the that the Buccaneers were favored because everything else, the performance this year would would certainly lead lead you to believe that on a neutral field, the Seahawks are the better team.
2: Yeah, Tom Brady knows all the right guys to approach on the street and get a bag put over your head and into a van and driven to a remote place where they, they sell you uh, stimulants. And uh, they, I think, kind of need it because the, the Seahawks, I mean, the Tampa defense, I know, has been hurt a lot. And the hell here they get, uh, like, if Winfield can come back this week, that would be a big deal, certainly, uh, especially for the middle of the field, uh, the down-the-seam defense in the slot. But uh, the Seahawks offense just seems pretty well balanced right now. And they're not going to necessarily run easily with Walker, but they, well, A, he can make a big play even if it's a tough defense. Like even if he goes, you know, 35 yards on 20 carries, that 60 yarder could be the 21st. And uh, because Geno Smith and, and with those two receivers, especially, are, are doing well, uh, producing reliably, playing off the run, and vice versa. Uh, their balance, I think, just gives them a lot to work with, even in difficult matchups. It's like they can they can usually do something uh, because they they're not like as one dimensional to the point that you can just like neutralize them by by removing one part of their game. So <clears throat> I think uh, I don't know the, the travel is weird. I don't know what to make of that at all. But I, I feel like the, the the Seahawks have just kind of like enough ammo on offense that the the Buccaneers need to play actually well and if, if they if they only have like another th- 17 points or whatever all, all these ridiculous box scores they've had lately uh that probably won't be enough
1: yeah i, I think the seahawks can can get this done obviously they, they have further to travel in this one but they both are, are going to be a bit uh travel weary and and you know that the bucks winning last week it's just a temporary band-aid like they're playing a, a rams team you know we we previewed that game last week and you know, I, I think both of us were were siding with the Bucks going in, but you know, it was more a statement on on how sorry things are for, for the Rams than any sort of like this is where touchdown Tom turns them around. Uh right. so I I think I, I like the the Seahawks in this particular uh setup as well. It just I feel like something is just off with this Buccaneers team and I, I don't think a, a you know transnational flight is, is going to fix it.
0: Yeah,
2: um, I mean, if they, I guess, if they don't have those those things we were talking about, then they, they might have an issue because Se- Seahawks just kind of seem pretty well put together right now. So um, you know, Gino is kind of uh, owed, you know, the, the grace of maybe having uh, one bad game and and being forgiven of it because he, he hasn't really had one that I can remember. Uh, so that that's kind of got to happen eventually with most types of players, but there's nothing on paper about the matchup that seems like it can't be managed in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I don't think so either. Um, yeah. It, if, and when Gino does have a bad game, you know, he, he's played well enough this year to where, yeah, he, he should get a little bit of uh, some cushion uh, for that. Uh, we do have a question uh, here. Uh, if Mikko Hardman is out does Kadarius Toney become a flex option for you? And the other options would be Curtis Samuel or A.J. Dillon.
2: Okay, so that is pretty tough. Um, Let me see. I got to look up how many snaps those Chiefs receivers played last week. Um, Seven snaps. So it's really tough to tell even if, like, if Hardman doesn't play, it might just mean more snaps for Justin Watson, basically. It, it's it's not a lock that they get Tony going. And uh, the routes that they run with him are probably going to have to be rather primitive anyway, like, like even in the longer haul, <clears throat> And right now, when he doesn't know the playbook, uh, they can only really put him out there for, like, run plays and plays that are kind of, like, dialed up to him. Like, screens that if they run it, you know three times in a game, the third time it's going to get picked off. So I I am not super drawn toward Tony, although I get it. And if he plays a lot of snaps, then it would probably work. It's that part that I I have no idea about. So I'd probably go uh, Samuel, maybe Dylan, but I, I feel like Samuel, especially if it's PPR, if it's not PPR, maybe in that case, let's say Dylan. But in PPR, it's like Samuel gets like eight to 10, just really low depth of target targets every week pretty much. And, and uh, it's easy to catch six passes. If you're getting 10 targets at like five yards, average depth of target.
1: No, de- definitely. And that's a game where Washington should be trailing uh, for a good bit of it. So you can imagine uh, the pass game being a little bit more involved there. Whereas AJ Dillon, it's hard to know what, what to make of him. Uh, yeah. Right Packers now. are a
2: mess too. So it's like Boy, Washington are is bad. Yes. But it's like Packers are kind of in that category right now somehow. Yeah, and Washington beat them straight up, Yeah, you know, for the record.
1: Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll grab a couple more questions, uh, but first, uh, a message from our friends over at BlueWire.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Randy wants to know, um, with the Renfro and Waller news is Mac Hollins, a flex viable guy over Adam Thielen.
2: Oh boy. Um, I'm not really drawn toward it, but it's, it's, uh, it is close. Uh, let me, let me look at Thielen one last second here. Um, 'Cause yeah, uh
1: for for the record, uh yeah, you know, Waller is apparently going to injured reserve. Yeah. Um, and...
2: So this week I I would say probably Hollins, just because uh going to Buffalo is about as difficult as it could be for Thielen. But Thielen uh, starting in like I don't know, I guess pretty much all of the fantasy playoffs other than other than at Green Bay in seventeen, it's like Thielen's got a pretty nice uh, Three week stretch from 14 to 16. Uh, Hollins this week, though, yeah, it's just it's not that the Colts are an obviously great matchup for him or anything, but uh, he might be getting, uh, he, sh- he should get at least four targets and as many as like eight or 10, you know, as long as Renfro and Waller are out. Right. So uh,
1: I think that seems like that will be the case. And, you know, Devontae Adams obviously is the. First option, but Hollins has done well uh, when got when given the opportunity so far this season. So I I, I could definitely see the case for him uh, in this setup. Um, let's keep going here. Let's get on over to our next game, uh, which is the Bills going up against the Vikings. So uh, obviously, this line has been in limbo um, over the course of the week with the Josh Allen. News, him dealing with the UCL injury, like, like a some sort of dang baseball pitcher. Um and you know that this this line was nine and a half uh on November first, now down to minus three and a half in favor
2: of the Bills, and it could it could still uh move here. Uh yeah, I don't know what to make of it, not not knowing what exactly is going on with Allen. It's it's not much There's not much more to really uh, break it down over other than that. And uh, I don't know. Has there been any sort of like Jake Laser kind of report about just what it is going on? Because all all I see is kind of the, uh, we think he's fine and going to play comment and then not practicing yesterday or uh, Thursday.
1: Yeah, exactly. So no no practice today. Um, You know, if you're the Bills, you got to protect the investment. Like if he's anything less than like 80%, I think you just got to hold him out for this week. I I know like it's the Vikings. You want to, you know, beat a good team and everything, but send him
2: to Germany to, to steal Tom Brady's stuff and use it on his elbow. See,
1: now we're thinking, but unfortunately it doesn't appear like that's going to be the case. So with that could be case Keenum behind center.
2: Yeah. Uh, that should be fine, you know, like especially for one game. But it's uh, it will require an entire redesign of, of the offense because a lot of those 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 opposite corner you know spread formation kind of plays uh, where they just have like one guy running all the way on the left and another all the way up, down the field on the right. <clears throat> like defense doesn't need to cover those, uh, at least not the way they would cover it with Allen. If Case Keenum's in there, it's like. Guys, we got like another two and a half seconds to get to the spot. Like, it was, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but it's not a big deal if he goes deep. Whereas with Allen, it was like, if you, if you like let the guy get behind you and have to turn around to see where he is, it's like that's how, that's how quickly the ball will get there, even if you're like 50 yards downfield. So, uh, that whole thing off the table would mean a lot. Uh, obviously that the pass rush uh, the, the coverage would probably get better too, because they would no longer, uh, the defense would no longer be using a robber in the middle of the field. They would just have probably like a third safety deep or something like that, or at least a, another proper linebacker or, or, or rusher or something, not, not someone whose job it is to just make sure Allen doesn't run. It's like Keenum can't run there. So uh, they'd have to lean on the running backs a lot more and, and, uh, don't think they have the personnel to really lean on their running backs, especially not uh, for high collision type work. So uh, it gets a bit harrowing for them. I just think that they they would win this game anyway because um, their defense is ready to carry them pretty much, like especially this game. But uh, even like the rest of the year, like if Allen's not quite right, the defense uh, getting Tre'Davious White back, um, they have a lot of depth. On the front four, there's there's just a lot of ways that they can always like harass quarterbacks and and without needing to blitz to do it. So uh, they they should keep them in good. Uh, they should keep the Bills' offense in good scoring uh, field position, uh, scoring range ideally, and uh, you know keep keep them in the position where they can lean on the run if they want to.
1: Okay, all right, I, I can I can certainly uh, see that. So yeah, the Bills' defense obviously gonna gonna have to bow up. Uh, here. And then, you know, you, you alluded to the kind of sh- changing of the shape of this Buffalo offense without Josh Allen. Does that like boost, you know, some of the, the shorter area pass catchers? Like, is this a week where Dawson Knox could, could kind of reenter the the fantasy fray or, or you know,
2: new uh, pass catching weapons out of the back You're like a Naeem Hines? Yeah, I mean, Hines would be a little interesting just because, you know, Keenum is is not going to throw as many times in general as Allen, but also on the pass attempts that he does throw, a lower share of those will be going even 15 yards or more downfield. Let alone you know the 25, 40 yards that they pretty regularly do with with Allen out there. So if he's decreasing the depth of the target, then the targets are probably going to different players, and they to this point haven't really featured a, a volume pass catcher. Like there was. Singletary back in like week three or something had a weirdly high target count in one of those early games. But other than that game, they haven't really had pass catching volume for their running backs. So uh, they they could get that involved at the expense of the downfield threat. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I question whether Naheem Hines would have ever been valued by anyone in the league if it weren't for uh, PPR scoring and fantasy. Like I think everybody's <laughs> so PPR brained. They stop noticing things like whether the ball actually moves, and with Hines, it rarely does. So uh, I can imagine them going to him, but I, I think the more they use him, uh, the more the defense is is able to put resources aside to defend him. Uh, the worse the returns will get, and they they basically can't rely on him.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't think that he he's necessarily the the answer uh, for for a Josh Allenless uh, Bills offense. Uh, anything else to touch on from from this game before we move on to the next?
2: Uh, I guess I should have said Case Keenum. I mean, he he's, he doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the velocity to throw deep, but he has kind of the mind for it. Like he's he's good at spotting opportunities, and his accuracy is usually pretty good. Uh, at Houston, obviously, he ran like an empty backfield kind of offense all the time, so he's comfortable with the spread and all that. It's just like the the parts of the field that he can credibly threaten are are, are much more limited, but I, I think Diggs can play underneath uh, Gabe Davis they use downfield but I think that's kind of like a, a by default thing uh, he can play underneath he made plenty of plays underneath at UCF uh, Mackenzie can only play underneath and uh, Shakir I think is already, already pretty well proven at it too so uh, th- their skill sets should be fine it's just uh yeah they got a they're going to have to be prepared to adjust a little bit because it's like defenses are going to start playing them differently and things that they expect to happen won't quite happen on the same schedule as before. So I guess
1: this this could be kind of a, a good indicator as far as Ken Dorsey is concerned, you know, what, what he's able to do without, you know, what is almost effectively a cheat code.
2: Yeah, the... the the degree of difficulty definitely goes up. Like it could be worse case Keenum at least isn't a bum or anything. And he's, he's not like scared of situations like these, but if Dorsey gets them over 28 points in this game, that would be pretty impressive. No,
1: absolutely. So um, yeah, this game, there's a bunch of very strange matchups this, this weekend for, for injuries or personnel reasons or others. But yeah, this one definitely stands out a lot. Very interested to see. And I
2: think uh, sorry, I just want to mention quickly. I think the Vikings offense is still fake. I I don't I don't think they move the ball much at all in this game. Yeah, and I, I think also I think
1: the, the Bills know defensively they need to do their part in order to yeah, you know, keep keep up in the, in this game. So I think that they're they're going to play extremely well in this one. Uh let's see here. We got a trade question. Uh which side do you prefer? From Andre Stevenson and Rondale Moore, or Amon Ra and Leonard Fournette?
2: Huh. Um. Let's see, that's pretty tough. Um, the uh, the
1: Amon Ra Fournette side of that thought that they had already won their league after like two weeks.
2: Yeah, probably. I I think um I think people are still a little quick to count out Damian Harris and. So I, I, I think it would be a little quick to assume Stevenson's recent usage stays uh, at the level his, his investors might have become accustomed to. And I don't really buy the Rashad White taking over the backfield thing with, with Tampa Bay. Like, I think White's a good player and they could use him. But the, even in theory, all along with White, it, it wasn't like you use him to displace Fournette. It's like you do things that uh, because he can't do everything Fournette can, and a few things that Fournette can't like, especially as like a running routes from the slot or running routes downfield in general. Like that's something to me that more overlaps with the receiver personnel or maybe the tight ends. So uh, I think Fournette actually is going to have a, a big two games in the next three weeks here, and I can imagine him doing pretty well down the stretch. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of of the Lions exactly. Uh, obviously, anytime they're on the road, Golf is liable to completely fall apart. So. Yeah, uh, I don't expect Amon Ra to do what he did last year, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I think most people are probably assuming that Stevenson is going to get more work than Fournette, and I don't I, like. I'm not as quick to believe that, so uh, I don't know. I I, I I see nothing wrong with either side. I I can't really pick one, but I, I might kind of prefer the the Amon Ra Fournette one. Uh, just because Fournette has a couple really good matchups coming up, this the Seattle one is good, and uh, I can't remember. But there's there's another one, like uh, Cleveland, I want to say. If he, if he doesn't have a big game against Cleveland, I'll just like I'm not gonna say I'll eat a shoe or anything, but you know I'll I'll say sorry.
1: Yeah, I'll be properly properly surprised. Um, yeah. So okay, all right, we'll stick with the with the Fournette, Raw side of that as as the one uh, that's preferable uh, for fantasy. All right. Onward. Let's go. Lions, who we were just talking about, uh, going to Chicago to face the Chicago Bears, who I mean, they, in season, I don't know if I've seen a, cha- a team change its narrative And that, you know, they've lost like two of the two of the last three games, but they've just looked so much better uh, than they did in, in September and most of October to where it, it almost feels like they've been wins.
2: Well, getting fields going the way he has is such a profound contrast to the to the way their season started. So um, it, at once, it's kind of like it's a little frustrating that they didn't set up fields better earlier in the year. Like nothing they did to start the year ever made any sense. It wasn't it wasn't like one of those things like there's no way to know. We'll have to guess and check as we go along. And, you know, whoops, that, that didn't work. That's not what happened. It was just kind of like step one. Before they did anything, it was like, "Wait, what are you guys doing? What are you doing?" And then they they're like Byron Pringle offense, like, "Wait, no, no." And uh, they they uh, not that not that I'm saying the Claypool trade is what had obviously that just was last week, and, and it's it's uh, it hasn't even really changed a whole lot yet. It was more that getting Fields going as a runner and leveraging that threat made him better at everything. Like you could have predicted that any time, you know. It's like it, it's, that's some of the most obvious stuff. If, if you've ever played defense in Pop Warner, you should be able to understand how that works. It's just if you think a guy is going to run, you stop looking quite so closely at the guy you're covering. Sometimes he's like, "Oh, is he running? Oh, no, nope, he's not." You know, like this time they they, they were like, "Oh, he's he's not a running threat. Let's cover these guys." And it's like, "Wait, what? Why is the why is the crowd cheering? Why, nothing's happened? I'm just covering this guy. Why is the crowd cheering?" It's like, "Well, he's 30 yards downfield now. This time it's like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm going to have to the next time I get to the line of scrimmage." I'm going to have to, you know, get into my get out of my back pedal, turn my hips and then double check to make sure he's not running this time before I turn my back to him. And that will make you That's how you get fields to get the defender to, to, you know, look in the backfield to split second too long and get the big play downfield as a passer. So it's like every threat you establish, you can play off of as an offense. And to start the year, the, the Bears were kind of just like, all right, we're uh, we're going to run it on first and second. Uh, we're only going to throw it 20 times a game. And every single time we will do our best to make sure it's in third and long. And uh, like, that's like, yeah, well, what do you expect? Of course, no one can produce in that kind of offense. So they, they finally are using fields in accordance with his skill set. It's it's making every part of the game easier for him. And don't get me wrong. He's not going to be, I, I, I don't think anyway, he's going to keep putting up like these, uh, you know, hundred yard rushing games. Like eventually defenses really are going to sell out just to stop him as a runner. I yep. just think that when that point comes, uh, you know, as long as they don't try to throw too many times and subject him to that pass blocking that you know, the, the lack of it too many times, I think he can make those throws because it's less coverage resources than he faced the first 4 weeks of the year when he was throwing the ball 20 times a game.
1: Right, exactly. They they just had it all wrong to to start the season and and for a lot of last year and you know, things have looked unbelievable. So if, I mean, gosh, what a, what a chalk, great chalk play in, in DFS last week was Fields. So um, do you, from that, do you take anything from like the, a Cole, the Cole commit performance? Is he back, back in the radar? Or is he still someone that, you know, that that's likely a fluke and, you know, how do we apply all that? Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. I think, um, I don't know. It's it, like commit, Kmet- really suffered for that poorly run offense to start the year. Like, even if he's not particularly good, like there was no way he was that bad. And so I didn't I didn't really try to evaluate him for it. But yeah, when Fields is producing like he has lately, then the expectation changes to, well, Komet's got to show something then. And he has. So, you know, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, Mooney, those are three in my opinion, good enough threats, especially if they're establishing Fields as a runner and if the defense is playing him honestly as a runner, then you know, F- Fields is accurate. And he can throw the ball pretty far. His whole issue is always like trying to read the field when there's a lot of defenders cluttered and you know he's waiting for things to, to become more obvious before he pulls the trigger. Like, an extra safety way up in the box will make everything a little more clear when he's trying to look downfield. Yeah,
1: no, no doubt about that. So, um, are the Lions a team that that can, you know, kind of mix things up for him? Or? No,
2: their defense no. sucks. Uh, but uh, so last
1: last week was more about the Packers than the Lions. I take it.
2: Uh, a little bit of that, and and I think that just you know Fields uh, is at least like, at least against a Lions type defense, you don't worry about him. Like I. I I know there's some level of volatility and like he can probably, I don't know, get sacked four times in this game or something, but it, like the Lions uh, are properly bad, maybe the worst defense. So uh, I think, I think if you, if you're, unless you have a really good quarterback, like one of the top five guys, I think you, you're starting fields if you have him this week, even, even knowing it's like a little bit of a roller coaster, it's like he, he can get you 40 points in a matchup like this.
1: No, he, he absolutely could. Um, one final thought here before we move on uh, your thoughts on, on the total here, because it, I, I don't think anyone ex- would have expected that the bears would be playing in a game where the total in Chicago, no less is 48 and a half points. Do you think there's a little bit too much credence or, or credit maybe being put to the lions for, for that one? Because the spread is pretty narrow. Uh, and I'm not sure that this lions offense is anything close to resembling what we saw earlier on in the season when they were, you know, scoring in bunches to, to begin the year?
2: Yeah, I think the the Lions' offense is in a really bad spot. Like Jared Goff leaving a dome and then going either lower temperatures or more wind. Uh, that's that's just the the more either one of those gets, the worse it gets for Goff and thus the whole offense. So I actually think. Playing in pretty cold weather in Chicago is about as you know. It's, it's like going to Washington, going to Foxborough, stuff like that is about the worst spot for golf. So he he could really kill them in this game. Um, I, I kind of like the under for that reason, and and the Bears to cover. And I think the Bears will move the ball well and put up points, but you can imagine them. You can imagine them throwing the ball only twenty times in this game, but because they're just controlling the game the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I do like that both of those sides for this matchup as well. Um let's grab one more question here before we get on to our next uh discussion. Uh let's see here. Pick two of these, Adam Thielen, Drake London, DJ Moore, or Mac
2: Hollins. Um I would pick DJ Moore and uh Hollins, I think.
1: All right, good enough for me. All right, let, before we move on over to our next game, got a message from our friends over at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house in 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE, that's N-H-A-W-I-R-E, at nohouseadvantage.com, or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25 Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience the daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. Also got a message from our friends over at NFL All Day. NFL All Day is officially licensed collectible of the NFL. It's a whole new way to express your fandom by owning the greatest moments from your favorite players and teams. Each moment on NFL All Day features a limited edition video highlight of one of the greatest plays from the NFL's past or present. From OBJ's iconic one-handed catch to Patrick Mahomes' five touchdowns on five straight possessions to Brian Urlacher's 85-yard pick six against the Packers, there's truly a moment on NFL All Day for every fan. And it doesn't stop at being able to own a collection of your favorite moments because NFL All Day rewards collectors for their fandom. You see, NFL All Day collectors have earned once-in-a-lifetime experiences like literally going on stage at the draft to announce draft picks and meeting some of the biggest names from the 2022 NFL Draft at the NFLPA Rookie Premiere. What's the best way to get started? Head to NFL All Day to sign up and redeem a free, limited-edition NFL collectible featuring Patrick Mahomes. Don't miss out on NFL All Day's next-gen fan platform and start unlocking rewards and experiences today. All right, coming up next, we got Jags Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs just were able to narrowly escape uh, the Sunday nighter um, against the Titans, whereas the Jags, well, they played the Raiders, so they're able to to get that one done. Uh, The second you go down by 17 against the Raiders – you're going to win. Uh, that seems to be the recurring theme uh, from this season. Uh, Jags, nine and a half point dogs on the road. I think that there could be some optimism about Jags. I thought Trevor Lawrence looked good, especially in the second half last week. And the Chiefs obviously looked a little bit stuck in the mud, but I feel like the Titans are kind of a uniquely uh, tough team for the Chiefs. And historically uh, that has been the case. They, they always play them close for the most part. I think the Chiefs role. In in this spot, I think that I think that um, the Jaguars are in deep trouble. I mean, it it could it could get that ugly. I think that this is just a really brutal spot for Jacksonville. And I think that the the Chiefs, they're not going to stay out of rhythm twice. And I don't think that the Jaguars have the personnel to to even get them there.
2: Right. Um, Like, I'll put it this way. Even Jarek McKinnon might be able to move the ball wow. in this game for the Statement. Chiefs offense, but uh, it actually is a really good spot for them to get Pacheco going. If they're um, again, they they should just give Edwards to all of the snaps that they waste on McKinnon, and and then just kind of uh, make Pacheco do the real carries, the real running back stuff. Um, but yeah, the Jags' defense I think it will just get completely overwhelmed like right off the bat in this one. And I don't think their offense is going to do anything.
1: No, are, are they overutilizing Travis Etienne at this point? Yeah, they got it wrong doing earlier it. this decision, year.
2: It, it, the decision is going to be made for them if they keep using him like this and it's it's really irritating because it's like it should be obvious. It it is obvious. It should be obvious to Doug Peterson. Uh Doug Peterson should step up and, and push back against if if it's if bulky's like we got to get our first round return out of him it's like you you can give him the work he can handle but that's that's what you can do and if you give him more than that he's gonna get hurt uh, because the way etn is good and the way etn plays right now without getting hurt is by being very particularly as fast as he is and being able to move the way that he does if he's out there getting upwards of eight carries a game when he's starting to get lead legs then that's that's how you get a guy taking a shot that he usually doesn't get hit with. It's it's, it's stuff like that, that that he's at risk for when you start putting him out there more than he's built for. So, uh, I mean, ETN's awesome. If they were giving him 12 carries and five catches, I think it would be working out just perfect, and I think they'd be getting more or less the same results. But because they have terrible personnel because of Trent Balky and because Doug Peterson's kind of just not really thinking... Bef- like he, he's, he's going into games... He's kind of mashing buttons, seeing what works and what doesn't, and then he tries to hit the buttons that worked a little bit next week. That that's that's his approach right now. And it's like you gotta you start you gotta start guessing right ahead of time. You know you gotta you gotta go in being pretty sure this button's the right one before you press it. And he's just not thinking anything through right now.
1: No, he definitely doesn't seem to be. Um, and then on the chief side, you know, spin the wheel as far as. Uh, the the pass catchers go, like, who who do you think this sets up well for, um, especially considering that B. Cole Hardman's a bit dinged up?
2: Yeah, uh, I, don't know, I guess I, I don't know for sure how much um, man coverage the Jaguars run, and I don't know if they're going to try to put Tyson Campbell and Juju Smith-Schuster when he's lined up out wide, but pretty much any Jags corner who isn't Tyson Campbell can be beat pretty I want to say easily, like Darius Williams isn't bad, uh, but he's just one slot rep and you often get two slot reps on upwards of like half your snaps against the Chiefs. So there's always going to be some depth tested in the Jaguars' corner rotation that they are not suited to handle. And what's happened a bunch of times this year, including against the, the Broncos, was they ran a lot of zone coverages and sometimes these guys just... Don't know what they're doing in their zones, and they, they hand things off wrong. Like that long Dulcich play on the right side was Rayshon Jenkins just cutting them loose, and there's just no one there for 20 yards. So they're liable to do stuff like that in this game too, because they have to call zone coverages because they don't have the personnel to play man coverage, especially not against you know the the four wide kind of looks, the trips looks that the Chiefs are going to give them. So I, I think. I think everything falls apart immediately for the Jaguars' defense, like passing game. Uh, it's it's going to be one of those kind of games. I think where Mahomes throws it only like twenty nine times, but gets like three hundred and thirty yards and three touchdowns out of it. Yeah, the
1: the hyper efficient uh, type of outing. So yeah, I don't think that the Jags stand much of a chance in this one. I, I like the Chiefs to to cover it um, as well. Onward, we got Browns, Dolphins uh Dolphins three and a half point favorites in this one over under checks in 49 and a half points in this one again against the Browns Browns coming off the bye of course last time we saw them they looked impressive in their blowout win over the Cincinnati Bengals on that Monday night football game Dolphins played a very exciting game of course last week in Chicago so I don't know The the first thing that strikes me is just like I don't I don't see how Cleveland kind of contributes quite enough to the total being where it is right now, unless truly um, Miami just cannot stop the run whatsoever.
2: Yeah, uh, the, the the Miami offense seems like a given, especially since it's supposed to be like 80 degrees there. And uh, this part of the year when you can find those 80 degree games with with no wind, Uh, that's, that's really good for a passing game. It's like everybody else is playing in not those conditions. So it should be like, like it's, it's difficult to imagine how Tua could do badly here unless Miles Garrett single-handedly just goes completely crazy, which it it can happen. He'll, he'll probably do that a few times in his career, but that's talking long shot for this one. Um, yeah, I guess it would have to be just Chubb going nuts, and and that that's that's a little more likely. Yet, I think so. He does that a few times a year, and if if it's like if it's your day as the defense, it's like there's not much you can do about it. So, the the Dolphins have defended the run well. I I don't know. A, I'm not convinced they've been really that well tested by it. Uh, it's it's Chubb is the kind of running back who once you face him, you, you go from like fifth to twelfth uh, in the rankings. For run mm-hmm. defense, so um, it's it's stuff like that, and it, it could happen, especially if if Brissette can keep it together and keep Cooper established enough as a threat to, to keep the defense from from being able to sell out against Chubb, like they could they could keep it, you know, competitive. But it's like if they miss on just one of their drives, I, I don't know how they catch back up because whereas Miami can just throw the ball quickly to catch back up. Uh, the Browns can only run the ball with Chubb, and if he doesn't go 60 yards, it's going to take you know almost half the quarter to do it. So, i, I yeah, I don't see how the Browns win it, but uh, maybe they maybe they keep it competitive enough that the the Dolphins are still throwing the ball into the fourth quarter.
1: Okay, and then uh, from the fantasy angle, uh, as far as this Miami backfield is concerned, you know, what, what was your takeaway from Jeff Wilson's first game there and, and the impact that he might have versus, you know, uh, Raheem Mostert?
2: I think they're both necessary because Mostert's really good from scrimmage on a person at basis, but he can't really give you, not, not without breaking down anyway, he can't give you, you know, 15 carries or more reliably uh, before before the issues start to pop up. He also isn't really like he's very reliably effective but that's that's only the case while using him in ways that you know kind of suit his game like he's not the most uh he doesn't have like a, a varied skill set as a runner he's kind of at his best hitting those those lanes off tackle really well and he he does that but if you got like more i don't know between the tackles kind of stuff that's where wilson's more useful because he's not as explosive from scrimmage as as, as Mostert is it's almost like Wilson needs to take more of the hits that there are to dole out because he can't justify himself by matching Mostert's big play ability or Mostert's ability to average a particular yards per carry over an extended sample. So I I think Wilson's there to pick up the plays that are basically beneath Mostert, which uh, Mostert, they would ideally reserve for... Basically, if they have to score quickly, like how, however urgent the situation is, it's it's the better it is that they can turn to Mostert in that situation without overworking him to do it. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I I thought that the Wilson trade was a shrewd kind of under the radar move for for the Dolphins because, yeah, Mostert kind of unfortunately feels like this ticking time bomb and your ability to, to take uh, snaps, carries, hits off of his plate in the form of Wilson. I, I think the more of that. Uh, the better, so you're preserving that big playability uh, from Mostert. So i um, interested to see how it plays out going forward against the Browns' defense. I, I feel like it it should go uh, reasonably well. Um, let's go ahead. Let's hit a couple more questions here before we move on to our next game. Uh, Truly Epic wants to know, um, which one of these guys you're benching? Devin Singletary, James Conner, or Deontay Foreman? This is a PPR format.
2: Oh man, uh, God, that Connor one is tough, especially with Stafford, uh, his situation being what it is. Uh, like I know Connor hasn't gotten it going yet this year, but he's, he's good in my opinion. And, and the Rams, especially if, if they don't have Stafford, it's just kind of like, they they might be so bad on offense that the Rams defense starts playing badly. If only cause they're kind of gassed. So, uh, I, I would probably bench Foreman, even though I don't want to. <laughs> like I, I, I just think I just think, think Singletary's got a really good matchup in my opinion, where he could go over twenty carries, and I, I think he's also their best passing down back, even though that's kind of crazy. And with Connor, it's like we we've already seen how that offense can sort of just like stall out in the red zone. Like they get to the red zone and then stall out to the to the situation where they can only give the ball to Connor. And uh, if the Rams get gassed because of no Stafford and just being generally really awful, uh, I think this could be a spot for Connor to kind of finally get going.
1: Okay, uh, th- this one really, really close in the Roto-Wire rankings. They're all ranked within seven spots of each other. Uh, we do have Foreman the highest uh, at, at twenty. Um, so th- this is this is low end RB two range. How Connor at out? twenty. Have they
2: declared that? Hubbard might be back after not playing the last two weeks.
1: Okay, that, that is a good point. He's still listed as questionable, uh, but has been practicing fully.
2: Yeah, so I think Foreman is clearly way better than Hubbard, but it's just one of those things that I'm bringing up because sometimes teams just shoot themselves in the foot by, by giving 10 carries to the lesser player because they're back from injury, you know? And uh, who's a team that we think could do that? The Panthers. I would have, I would have been more certain of it if Rule were still the coach, but uh it's even even Wilkes might stumble into that one. Yeah, yeah,
1: I th- I think so. Um as well. Um another one from that game, chicken nugget. I like I like the Aaron Rodgers AVI there. Um uh Cordell Patterson, Brandon Ayuk, or Amon Ross St. Brown. This is a flex question.
2: Okay. Um This might sound weird, but I think I'd go with Ayuk. Um, I just I get that doesn't probably sound that weird. It probably makes sense enough on its own, but I, I just don't like Patterson as much as I normally would because of the short week and returning from the knee injury that kept him out for a whole month. And uh, yeah, I just think uh, Shanahan's probably going to put Staley in a you know the spin cycle.
1: Yeah, that uh, well said. Um, happened before. Can certainly. Uh, happen again. So I, I like the, uh, the IU uh, call there and good, good, like, you know, caution as far as, as Patterson and his potential uh, usage uh, for this evening. Uh, let's keep going here. We got the Texans and the Giants. So this, this one has moved a, a good bit. As, is there an injury front uh, or injury issue here with, with the Giants? Because this was six and a half on Tuesday. Um, Sorry. What is it at now? It is, uh, I'm looking at four over on, on draft
2: Okay. So I don't, I don't know what it means when this is going, when something like this is going on, but on covers, they're showing five and a half. So I don't know if it's like, uh, I don't know. Just so some particularly large bet was placed on whatever the, the giants may on DraftKings, but, but hasn't in a way that hasn't shown up other places. I don't know. But, uh, as far as the line trending more that way, I I got nothing. I don't just Damian Pierce highlights from last week. I don't I, I really have no <laughs> those idea. are cool. They're cool actually, and uh, it it could be a problem for the Giants. It's just they have Saquon and I don't know their defense is better. They they have they have a couple other they have Brian Dable. I don't know. Coming off the buy, maybe 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 the people who are betting against the Giants just are are following kind of like a perhaps well founded rule of like don't pick Daniel Jones to cover you know more than a field goal and a half or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So because I mean it's like what it's probably a pretty good rule. It probably hasn't gone uh, gone terribly wrong. I don't know. I I haven't looked, but I'd imagine it's it's like if you're expecting an overachieving offense to play like a truly good offense. Like maybe, maybe that's how you can fall into a trap where it's otherwise seemingly safe. It's like really bad defense. It's like, yeah, but kind of bad offense. We just forgot. Cause they're like, they have a bunch of cool tricks now.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- this one, Hard to hard to know what to make uh, heads or tails of it. Uh, do we feel like the Texans might be getting some, some help back as far as the, the passing game is concerned? So maybe there won't be uh, quite as much of a need for Davis Mills to be throwing it to the likes of, oh, I don't know, Chris Moore.
2: Hey, I, I have the weirdest Chris Moore opinion in the world, which is that I think he's good, but playing in the wrong position where he is admittedly bad in the slot. Uh, but yeah, if Cooks can return, I don't know if Collins is Collins might be back. Nico Collins might be back. So uh, yeah, it could be, I I guess what you might see this game like is just two teams that can run on each other, but two teams that can't really throw on the other. Uh, Like, I I feel like the Houston corners just match up pretty well with uh, the personnel and offense. It's Saquon that the Texans have no answer for, but the giants might not have much of an answer for Pierce themselves. So right. uh, It, it, it might just kind of be, you know, a, a, like both of the teams move the ball and maybe the giants are always in some sort of control. You know, maybe they're not truly like down for more than a few minutes at a time, but it might be difficult to get that two score lead. If the other team is uh, moving the ball and specifically on the ground so much.
1: Well said, well said. So I, I've, for me, like my my uh my point of view for the Texans this year has been to to bet them when they are big favorite or I'm sorry big underdogs and then you know stay away basically otherwise, uh, but you know the Giants are are so tricky they've been great against the spread of course but you know we we started to see them kind of come back down to earth before the buy with with that game in Seattle so I'm not I'm still like unsure that. There, there's still some regression yet when it comes to this Giants team. And I don't know if the Texans are the ones that, that make it happen or not. But as it stands at five and a half, I'm still tempted, I think, by, by the Texans.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm there, too. I actually another stupid, obscure opinion that I have is that the Texans corners are actually good. I, I just think their run defense is incredibly bad, uh, which is which is why you don't really notice the pass defense. Is there some guys running for a touchdown on them. But yeah. they they can I think and especially when Stingley really gets going like I I think he's playing better than people are giving him credit for but uh you know Desmond King would have been exactly the kind of corner in college at Iowa that one of the few players in college football who would have been able to give a player like Wandale Robinson a tough time so it's just it's it's kind of like all aligning I think for for the Giants offense to see some of their like least favorite prospective matchups like other than Slayton being able to outrun Steven Nelson in terms of raw speed, I just don't know if any matchup they have that's actually in their favor uh, as far as the route runners. No, and and Daniel Jones.
1: Just Saquon uh, yeah. st- still Daniel Jones. So yeah, Sa- Saquon, you know, this is going to be a fun game if you like run games, but uh, maybe not a whole lot else entertainment-wise uh coming on in this one. Uh before we get on over to our next game, We've got a message from our friends over at MKF. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get... Your first deposit matched instantly, up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, let's go to, I think, one of the funkier games of the week, Mario. And, and, again, funky is kind of the the, the word of the week uh, with some of these games. But we got Steelers, Saints, and the Saints are favored on the road? Oh, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh... I I barely I'd barely even would even know why. I mean, I don't even really like the idea of picking them to so much as win the game, let alone like cover whatever the number is. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the other thing the thing to watch is TJ Watt and I don't know what wasn't he didn't he have like a torn pectoral muscle uh earlier in this year. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, week 1, right? Yeah, he's apparently on the verge of returning from that in I'm sorry. I can't remember another player. Like was JJ Watt the only other player to return in season from a pectoral tear? Uh, I know he had the elbow thing, but uh, I, I'm trying to remember a time this ever happened and I can't think of it. So they're, they're going to have to probably have him like taped up in a really weird way. But TJ Watt with one arm immobilized entirely might still be difficult to deal with if you're the saints. And, their offensive line is dealing with some injuries too. I don't know if guys are going to miss games, but uh, what is it? Andrews, Pete, the center, and the right tackle. Like the right tackle is going to play Ramchick, but he's uh, he's, got, he's dealing with something. Uh, whereas the other two that I mentioned, I think haven't practiced as of yesterday. So yeah, it's it's, it's you throw in the Tomlin factor, throw in the the fact that the Saints are kind of just bad. Yeah, uh, short week. They looked terrible yeah. on
1: Monday. They looked awful. They,
2: they suck. They have uh, they have like three good players, and uh, quite importantly, we don't know if Marshawn Lattimore is going to be back for this one. Like he wasn't practicing as of yesterday. So if Lattimore is out and TJ Watt is in, Andy Dalton is the quarterback. Uh, I mean, I know Kenny Pickett is on the other side, and that is worse than Dalton, believe it or not. But like <laughs> Pickett and Tomlin defeats Dalton and anybody.
1: Yeah, and. You know, Dennis Allen at that I don't, doesn't seem like he's going to be like, la- he, he, he's like, all those jokers getting... are
2: just about on the way out.
1: Yeah, it, it, there's I think the the firing Monday after the regular season is going to be uh, a busy one. And I think that he he's certainly uh, potentially on the chopping block. Um But beyond that, this is obviously the Steelers first game since trading away Chase Claypool. Uh, your thoughts on, on what this receiving core and, and target rotation is going to look like uh, moving forward now, now that uh, Mapletron is gone?
2: Yeah, uh, believe it or not, he was probably their fastest player on offense. So that's a little concerning for me. Uh, but I think Steven Sims is actually good. They just have to run completely different concepts than they did with Claypool. because Whereas Claypool, I think, is a receiver who can line up anywhere. Who they incidentally put in the slot because Deontay Johnson can't play outside and, or sorry, can't play inside. And George Pickens, I don't know if he can't play inside, but he's definitely better suited to playing outside. Yeah. Uh, whereas Sims is more like an actual slot receiver who would probably run more of the concepts that they did with like Ray Ray McLeod last couple of years. So uh, that's interesting to me, but more so whatever. Whatever moves away from from Claypool's usage, like it could go to either of Pickens or Johnson too, but the most proximity wise, it's Friermuth who would be closest to those targets. And I happen to think Friermuth is plenty well qualified for that. Like he should probably, like on another team, it wouldn't be surprising if Friermuth was a ninety catch player or something, maybe even more mm-hmm. than that. So. Uh, if they have more work for him, I think he would probably do well with it. It's just that, I don't know, we see a lot of targets go Deontay Johnson's way. Like the, He has a lot of those kind of like both of the dialed up looks and the kind of like abort route plays. Like, yeah, it's like there's so many there's so many situations where the flow chart says throw it at him. And that might just become even more the case without Claypool there. But if it. If it's the next closest player who's getting the usage uh, most of it anyway, then it's got to be Fryar
1: Okay, oh, well, that's music to my ears. I have a lot of Fryar Muth across uh, my my various leagues. And then there there's been a bit of a stink, Mario, when it comes to this uh, Steelers backfield. Is Najee Harris at risk of like actually getting some carries taken off of his plate? By Jalen Warren, or or is this just like we're bored and we haven't played a football game in two weeks? For coming from Pittsburgh,
2: um, I so I was one of those people who said that Harris was a bit overrated, and like for instance, I I was like you got to take ETN over Najee Harris, be it in Dynasty or or if you're a real NFL team. So I'm not inclined to be a big defender of Harris or anything, but. This Jalen Warren stuff is just ridiculous. I mean, look at the splits of the respective production that occurred in base functions versus, like, hurry up or draws on, like, you know punt carries on third and 17 where they hand it to Warren and he gets 14 yards. Like, plays like that are happening, and they're juicing his numbers while just because Harris goes off the field for that play, he's left with numbers that, you know, people who look at box scores or People who just don't know how to watch football will look at the game and be like, "Oh my God, Warren is better than Harris." It's like, no, just imagine Harris running a draw play on third and seventeen. He'll get twelve yards or whatever. It's fine. He can he can do that. Uh, Warren was a guy who, like his absolute best case outcome scenario as a prospect is probably like C.J. Anderson or something like that, and he could be that. I mean, he's got like this, the short, like borderline overweight build thing going on. <laughs> and, uh, like tackling you know, a fire hydrant. I mean, th- there's really something to investigate here. I mean, I don't know what else he actually has going for him, but yeah, it's like he seems to get something out of it. It's just if you're, if you're like five eight, two fifteen, two twenty guys just start it's like you're a change up at all times, but also one that it's like it, it hit it's like way too hard to knock it off course. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but he's again, you just see so many of his plays are happening on draws or carries where it's like second in such a distance that the defense has surrendered the run because they're trying to stop yeah. the big play as a pass. And so if Harris gets those plays, his numbers look totally different. And uh, I don't know, there's, there's, there's no way in hell, Warren is producing at Alabama the way Harris did, and no. Warren was not that productive at either of Utah State or Oklahoma State, and he's a below-average athlete. So, like he knows how to play running back, like he's got that, he's got that like switch where he just knows where to run and stuff. But aside from that, he just doesn't have anything.
1: No, I don't. I don't think so either. So it it feels a little drummed up, and I, I just think. You know, we were kind of in in lockstep to an extent when it came to, to Najee being a little bit overrated, or you know, being the the RB one in the class of twenty one. Uh, but you know, he he was productive last year despite playing in an ugly offense. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of a lot of that had to do with the catches and everything. And I, I think that contextually, there's just a lot wrong with this uh, Pittsburgh offense to where it's not Naj, Najee as the problem. It's kind of a lot of other things. I mean, their, their offensive line yeah. is terrible. Obviously their, their quarterback play is terrible. Matt Canada is a buffoon. So, I mean, of course you could be frustrated by the lack of output from, from Najee so far, especially if you like invested, you know, a, a, the eighth overall pick in, in your fantasy draft on him. But I highly doubt that this, this becomes a situation in which he is just in standard downs getting benched for, for one Jalen Warren.
2: If they give it a try, Warren's all of a sudden going to look slow and small instead of, uh, you know, stocky and tough to tackle. Like he's, just, they're just going to be uh-huh. like, what's this? What's this undersized fullback getting the ball for? And yeah, uh, yeah it's it's honestly it's just ridiculous. And I, I kind of wish. Uh, I mean, granted, it's hard to tell how many people believe this this Warren is better than Harris thing. Uh, it might just be like one out of. T- 25 people and like they it's just impossible to not notice them but if it's a widespread belief that's just disheartening that's that's like a that's like a (laughs) top 10 not top 10 there there are many amazing instances in the hall of goldfish brain but to go in under two years from believing a guy is the next stephen jackson to believing that the utah state transfer uh, who averaged under five point yards uh, 5.0 yards per carry at Oklahoma State and runs like a 4-6, to think that guy is better than Harris, at the very least I hope you never believed the first thing, you know? Like I I hope I hope that all these people who think Warren is better than Harris all along were like irrational haters of Harris or something. Cause if someone actually believed that Harris was Steven Jackson 18 months ago or whatever, and now is at this point that they're like put Warren in you got you got a bad case of of the fish brain the goldfish brain yeah that's uh so keep uh, your eye <laughs> on the ball folks don't don't just let it hit you in the face
1: <laughs> oh my god
2: um okay let's uh let's keep
1: rocking uh we do have some questions again thanks to our uh viewers on on the live stream chiming in with with great questions every single week Janthony wants to know Singletary, Mooney, Khalil Herbert, Josh Palmer or Jeff Wilson this week one of these guys you got to start.
2: Yeah, Please not know. to not to dismiss the others but I would go with Singletary just because uh even if Josh Allen is out and even though the the Vikings run defense has been pretty good I think Buffalo's defense is going to do a great job and they're going to have favorable field position I think that they will want to drag out you know, to make, make the, make them hold on to the ball in Minnesota territory just kind of as long as possible, and, and hope that everything else works itself out because usually it will, uh, especially if you can count on the defense the way you tend to with Buffalo. So uh, I think they're going to have a need to run, and I think Singletary is the only one who can do it. And I think that that running, which could happen more than it has in the offense to this point in the year will hopefully occur in scoring range, you know, at, at some notable rate. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Keenan Allen's out again, then uh, Palmer has to be, again, Herbert's lead wide receiver. So I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's a clear call to me. Okay. Yeah,
1: Paul, Palmer definitely interesting uh, pending uh, that Keenan Allen news. And it, it sounded like it, um, at least coming out of the bye that the Chargers were going to be Waiting for Keenan Allen to be a hundred percent, hundred percent to uh to be back, as opposed to kind of rushing him back, and that that's how he.
2: Well, it was uh, worth re- a shot, John. It. it was worth a shot. Oh, absolutely. Oh, um, it's so hard with these. Anyway. <laughs> um, and
1: then let's see here, um, Tony Pollard or DJ Moore. Good problem to have, but probably par- yeah,
2: um, yeah. Probably Pollard. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't really
2: have much to add there. <laughs> Just things okay. can get weird with the Panthers, yeah.
1: Yep. Pre- it's probably Pollard is the answer. Um we'll get one more right now. We got Jeff Johnson asking us Judy, Lazard or Josh Palmer?
2: Uh that is tough. Um I think I lean Judy, but I I get it if I know that the over under is really gruesome for that game, so I can understand if someone would be drawn toward the other two. And I, I will say if, if Allen is out, the case gets right there quite a bit stronger for Palmer. It's just also, if, if Allen is in Palmer loses quite a lot too. Right. Yeah. It, get, it gets tricky and in, in a
1: hurry when Keenan Allen is all of a sudden getting 15 targets. Um. So I, th- I think that's the, the right call with, with Judy. We have him as wide receiver 21 uh, this week. Let's keep going. Speaking of that game, we do have Broncos Titans, Titans only 2 point favorites in this one against Denver. Titans kind of gave uh gave Kansas City all they could all they could ask for the, this past weekend. Denver obviously coming off the bye. Um it beat Jacksonville la- last time out in, in London. This feels like a borderline disrespectful line to the Titans, but the Titans they don't, the, the floor is very high, but the ceiling isn't overly high either. It feels like given the quarterback and, and passing game situations.
2: Yeah. And the Denver defense is legitimately good. So yes, uh, I kind of, I kind of see it also the the Titans have been really heavily work. I know this is always the case, but like Derek Henry is getting so much work that I don't know, like it wouldn't be shocking if he just kind of has a, a sluggish game pretty soon and uh, one of the better defenses, a defense that has defended everything pretty well without really selling out at any point to do it. Like, they should be able to sell out against the run here. And, I don't know, maybe Tannehill can make them pay if they do that. But more so seems to me like the Broncos would just get away with it. So I could imagine this being very low-scoring game, as the over-under implies. Uh, on the Denver offense side, I think they're – they're just not going to be able to run the ball. By the way, uh, if they just they're, they're doing this offense where they try to make everything happen for Greg Dulcich. So to do that, uh, in addition to implementing a bunch of a whole host of routes and formations that they just straight up would not use before he returned from injury, they also have abandoned a lot of their run blocking standards. Like Eric Tomlinson and Saubert and even Beck barely played last week. and That's because they just said, well, if if Dulcich has to go to the bench for us to run, then we're going to pass. And they're gonna keep doing this. Uh, we'll see how much it works. Like they needed the, they needed Rayshon Jenkins to uh, botch his coverage the last time out to get Dulcich over like 50 yards. So is that play gonna be there? Is he gonna make some play that he didn't make last time that he you know can this time, or is he just going to regress? Is the running game still gonna suck? And will we be will we be basically down to an offense that gets whatever else it might from just three players, especially Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler to a lesser extent. And I could see some scenario where Sutton, Judy, and maybe Hamler, maybe Dulcich or whatever, kind of do enough to win. If the defense, if the Denver defense like intercepts Tannehill, and if Derek Henry is held to under 90 yards on upwards of 27 carries and those things seem like they could happen, but I think that's like the only way they can win. Uh, the, the reason it's hard for me to tell which way it'll go is because the, the other side, it's a similar problem, if not worse. I mean, uh, and it, not to assume Russell Wilson will throw well against the Tennessee defense, but they are much more easily thrown on than run on. So there's something to that. It, whereas on the other side, it's like the Broncos defense is just kind of good at everything and the Titans can only run, but I don't, I don't know if it's like they have the upper hand there. So I don't know. It it seems to me like it's going to be a real slog of a game. Uh, I I think you might see Russell Wilson. I don't know. I, I'm probably going to jinx it either way. Just get it totally wrong either way. But <laughs> the Titans, the play, they the Titans' defense plays just kind of like Vrabel's brain would dictate. You know, like they they mm-hmm. have a sort Extension. of like savage. Yeah, they have kind of like a savage tendency, uh, especially when they're really kind of like feeling good that day. So. Guys like Roger McCreary, you know, there's like a trend of of just kind of like hard-nosedness in, in the front. And it wouldn't be surprising if they kind of come out and just start hitting really hard and get the, the Broncos to just kind of look flat the whole day while Henry just grinds them down over upwards of 30 carries. I'll take that option. Uh, I, That's what I would I go just... with if I had to call it. It's just, even that one strikes me as like a 54% kind of thing, you know? Yep. Uh,
1: but, you know, I think... The Broncos have just been so...
2: Uh, I mean, the defense yeah, they... is great, but Hackett is such a fool. The offense really sucks. And if they're going to just stop being able to run so that Dulcich doesn't get rocked as a blocker, then they're going to find the passing game get more difficult too. They're going to find these busted coverages that they keep getting down the seam with the tight ends, not Oquegmanem because we, we don't call these routes if he's, if he's active. Uh, those plays aren't going to be busted coverages If the defense knows that they're never going to be a run play, that they're going to catch on to that bluff eventually. So the Broncos are in a lot of danger, even though their defense makes them more competitive than they have any business being. Yeah, well, well said.
1: Um, So, yeah, this one, there's a reason why why we're seeing a total uh, check in. Not just under forty but we're looking at thirty
2: six and a half at some point. i wouldn't want like, the over even then yeah not even then uh it's yeah i'm thinking almost, like seventeen to ten kind of thing seventeen to thirteen kind of thing that i love yeah that that
1: that would make sense to me anything else um that that's on the higher end uh i i simply won't believe it um let's go indianapolis versus las vegas one team that is Actively trying to lose, uh, and that's Indianapolis versus the Raiders, who aren't trying necessarily, but uh that the results kind of seem to suggest that they are tank that there's some tankage going on. Uh so that you know, obviously Vegas they're going up against a, a team that has Sam Ellinger, has some guy that uh Jeff Saturday that, you know, obviously we remember him from got that being OL pay-
2: upgrade at long last. Yeah. yeah,
1: right. So I mean that uh you fire Frank Reich, you make that decision to to be to have Sam Ellinger be your quarterback the rest of the season. I don't know why, like no one's no one said you had to do that. You could have said that Ellinger is starting against Washington and just kind of leave it at that. You don't need to like give him all these ridiculous expectations and then, you know, not play to his strengths. But you know, rant, rant over on that one, but either way, I mean, th- this line is is down a bit from where it was. I mean, it was six and a half earlier this week in, in favor of the Raiders looking closer to, to five now. Obviously, earlier in the show, we, we mentioned Darren Waller and, and uh, Hunter Renfro being banged up, but that's been the case for much of this season. So all of this is a preamble to, to ask, you know, is there a way that this is just weird enough to where Indianapolis – is able to go in there and and if not win at least cover and keep this one respectable.
0: Well,
2: uh they do have Jonathan Taylor, who knows how healthy he is, who knows how much uh of their playbook they'll be able to run down their only two in-line viable tight ends or at least we'll see about Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Woods neither has been practicing as of Thursday. So, if those two are out <laughs> Uh, it's so funny how bad Chris Ballard is at his job. Uh, they they can't run the scheme that they can only run, if that makes any sense. Like, they got themselves in this position where they need to run a certain number of tight end reps, and they can't now. And not just not just the certain number. Uh, they, they can't reach that because they only have one of the three players, but the one, th- the one and third that they have can't run anything that the other two can. So, Kylan Granson plays like a a ceremonial tight end role. He's not a tight end. He's just some guy who isn't a receiver or a tight end and needs something to do because they spent a draft pick on him and they've been trying to put Mo Alley Cox uh, to the periphery, have him block to make the Granson pick look good to make the woods pick look good. And I think the dysfunction they've gotten instead is a pretty predictable result. Like it's, it, it's not a good idea. Why would it work? So uh, I think that the Colts could just be incredibly bad on offense in this game. Even with the Raiders' defense pretty much crap uh, they they might they might have uh, Jonathan Taylor back, but they they might have him hit, getting hit in the backfield all the time because the guys don't know how to block a tight end that they call up.
1: I'm having a vision in my head right now of like this game can be summed up by the the Colt's play against the Patriots, where they had the punter take the snap behind center with no one else like sh- on the line.
2: That's really, like hope- what this
1: game could look like.
2: Yeah, I really hope they're practicing their trick plays. Let's just say that because uh, I don't – if not a fake field goal, a fake punt, I don't know how they think they're going to make a big play in this one. Yeah, need need some razzle, need some dazzle. Uh, the rest will,
1: will figure itself out. But are the Raiders bad enough to, like, keep this one interesting on, for their part? Because, I mean, yeah. they just –
2: I mean, if if some guy like J.P. Holtz or some other rent-a-block tight end is is available to get just you know choppered in, and if they can play twenty five run reps well to set the edge so Taylor can turn the corner, then that should work. But uh, I don't know who the I, I don't know their practice squad. Uh, it's got to be people we haven't heard of. And that like if it's that Youngstown State tight end, he's not a real tight end either. So. Uh, they might need to put like an extra offensive lineman on the field, but that would be better than trying to just have Granson blocking the same – like Chandler Jones, having him block the the people that they would otherwise make Ali Cox block. It's like that's the only guy who can do that. Now you just can't do it, so hopefully you can do something else. Whoops. It turns out you probably can't. It,
1: uh, this game uh, – I'm so morbidly curious to, to see how this one goes. I, I really – I, I don't wait. think it's
2: going to be very entertaining. I think that, like, sometimes I can watch bad football and just kind of laugh at, you know, how how ridiculous it is. I think this is just going to be kind of bleak. Okay, darn. Um,
1: well, I hope you're wrong. I I hope that this one turns out to, to at least be, like, the comedy of errors that, that it deserves to be. You'll watch this
2: game, and it'll you'll just kind of be struck with the observation of, like, we're so small in this universe, which is so hostile and indifferent.
1: Like, for yeah, th- this, could, this could be one where it's like I'm sitting in front of the TV. Uh, the girlfriend wants to go do something else. And I'm like, no, like I'm watching football. Like this is this is what I-, and she just like sees Sam Ellinger like, ru- like fall over and like his pants rip in half. And it's like
2: you black out for a second and she's like, John, and you're like looking out the window and you don't remember getting there.
1: <laughs> oh, that happens enough to me already. So um, anywho. Let's let's. Uh, all right. I think we did a, a fair enough unpacking of of what should be an interesting one out in Vegas. Got a handful more games to get to here. Cowboys Packers. What what could have been, you know, a, a, a matchup of the marquee franchises in, in the NFL and the NFC? Uh, well, they're trending in very, very different directions. Who would have thought that Mike McCarthy would have had the upper hand in this Mike one? McCarthy um,
2: wins again. vindicated. He, Proven stays right. winning he was right all
1: along matt lafraud uh your days are numbered but um mike mccarthy when it,
2: carried Rodgers to a super bowl victory
1: many are saying us included but when it comes to the packers uh i got a handful of things right last week one of the wrongest i've been last week and maybe ever was thinking that the packers were, were going to like kind of Start to get things turned
2: around with with that game against Detroit. That was even I thought pitiful. they would easily win that, but uh I, I was like, they suck, but they got this one, John. Yeah,
1: yes, go, oh, we we all were, big were big. all excited, but it was, I mean, and it was it was very obvious, like from the start of that game, like, oh no, 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 this is this is not going to go well for Green Bay, and you know the the continued red zone end zone interceptions for, from Rodgers, uh, I, how you can only score nine points on Detroit in the year 2022 is is absolutely. It takes non-made. a bad quarterback to be completely serious and and answer the question. And that's that's basically what Green Bay has at this point, and that's not good when you have Dallas and and their defense coming up to Green Bay.
2: Might be bad for, uh, ayahuasca, uh, mm-hmm. commodity markets too, John. I don't know why all, the, that all the stuff. markets
1: are, are out of sorts uh, these days. You know, Tom Tom Brady having like six hundred million in FTX or whatever, um, and then yeah, Rogers' ayahuasca futures are just down the toilet.
2: Unless you need to craft a uh, a bad quarterback elixir, I don't even know what you you're supposed to do with it. That and puke, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: I mean t- tough scene out there. Um, but bottom line, Mario. What are your thoughts on this game with with the packers checking in as five point home underdogs?
2: yeah, that's a weird thing to see is is when I feel like normally this kind of line would at least try to tempt people uh like like uh i like guess I don't know if it would make people be tempted to bet that much more on the packers, but be the old do the old like hey it's Lambo, it's it's rogers at Lambo guys uh pack packers by three and a half it's like no, they they really should be at like five and a half, six, like it is. Uh, so, so the the spread is definitely like I'm surprised it didn't trend toward that kind of trap logic, but uh, it, it's the right call I think because the Packers suck, uh, Rogers sucks. To be fair, it's about to get worse for him because you're gonna see David Backtiari either not play in this game or leave in game because something's gonna go wrong with his knee, and. The Dallas pass rush is something that Rogers simply cannot deal with. He just no. He's going He might do Avante Davis at halftime. Get get like hit nine times in the first half, and just uh, you know, take take some kind of uh, micro dose of something or other, and then drive off on whatever <laughs> he t- gets to the stadium with. Uh...
1: Oh my god. I mean, yeah, it's it it could be that bad. Uh to, to pull Avante Davis. It's the right
2: state to be doing that kind of thing. Uh the the especially the way people drive uh during football games, the cops just kind of are like, you gotta let them there's let 'em have the bumper system, you know? Like the <laughs> like bowling bumper system. Yeah, yeah,
1: especially up up in uh up in Green Bay. Um
2: yeah, that's that's ugh,
1: boy. Um but on the on the Packers side of this, or I'm sorry, on the Cowboys. Uh, side of this offensively you know what what are you looking forward to to get going against this Green Bay
2: defense well it's it's a little bit like the last time with the Bears where it's like they need Pollard to be their main running back and he could play very well but then if they do they they kind of have this problem not it's a good problem to have it's not an actual problem but they have this new task of like okay well who's going to run out the clock And I guess Malik Davis was the guy, the the other Florida back. Uh, He he played pretty well at Florida, even if he wasn't any, you know, Damian Pierce. So uh, maybe he can do whatever other lifting they need. But it's like if this goes the way Dallas wants it to, then they'll pretty much want to put Pollard on the bench in like the third quarter or something. And uh, it it should be a good game for him up to that point, even if it goes that way, for the reasons like we saw last week. Um, But the whole like twenty carry thing. It seems like it still can't happen.
1: And if, on the off chance that, that Zeke is active, would you play
2: him? Oh man, uh, I don't think I could for this game because I I feel like Dallas might activate him if they is if they think he can play fifteen snaps. You know, like they, mm-hmm. they might they might activate him with zero intention of getting him over eight carries. Because it's yes. that's, all, that's all that they really need. It's like if Pollard can take 15 and if they've got, you know, a nine point lead going into the fourth quarter, like they just need, they need like two or three drives of someone else stepping in to, to get them to the end of the game. Yeah.
1: And he, could, he could be that guy, but. Uh, and Davis will really be
2: active either way, head. probably. Like mm-hmm. if, even if Zeke is active, they're probably going to have a third running back active.
1: Yeah, you, you have to, um, given, given, you know, with the injuries that uh, Zeke uh, is dealing with right now um speaking of guys dealing with injuries we got a couple in the, at the quarterback spot uh, in this Rams Cardinals game so stafford obviously uh, I believe going through the concussion protocol and and Kyler uh, dealing with a hamstring i believe so
2: he's got uh, a he's got a, a gamer thumb john
1: <laughs> zing yeah is call of duty coming out again uh, this weekend um but Either way, uh, we have the Rams checking in as one and a half point favorites against the Cardinals. This was uh, a decent bit higher earlier in the week. It was you know three and a half um, just a couple of days ago, but you know the Stafford news has obviously uh, changed things just a bit. Um, they've already played once this season. The the Rams were able to kind of avoid a, a complete disaster start of their season, but their season is still on balance been a disaster. This one's at home. I don't think they have much of a home field advantage. I even if Stafford plays, I think I like the Cardinals straight up.
2: Yeah, if Kyler is all right, I mean the Rams would be particularly crazy to not put Ramsey on DeAndre Hopkins every play. But even if they do, I just think between like I don't know, even Robbie Anderson if he made a big play downfield, that that wouldn't be so shocking cuz the Rams lack corner depth. So they lack every kind of depth, really. So, yep. yeah, it it shouldn't take a good team to beat the Rams, and so uh, I think you can you can imagine the Cardinals as having some major issues and still being in the better spot here. I
1: could I could certainly see it. Uh, let's uh let's hit a couple of questions re- real quick. We do have a couple uh, pertaining to tonight's games. Uh, so don't don't leave those out necessarily. Um, let's see which one: um, Terry McLaurin, uh, James Conner, Foreman, or uh, I'm guessing Deontay Johnson. Let's put that up on the screen there. Uh, so uh, Foreman. Foreman would be that you know that we got to decide if he's not uh, the person that we're starting.
2: Yeah. So for the person that we're starting or sitting, sorry. Uh, um yeah we well I eliminate so i would be i would be leading connor uh and okay. foreman but it's really tough and i think we had that exact question earlier and i couldn't really think it through either but uh i like connor if if the more if Safford doesn't play uh although if he started foreman i wouldn't argue against it because like we already we already saw what he could do it's just we don't know this time around what hubbard might do against the falcons
1: no, fit. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, Hubbard
2: could could foul
1: things up a little bit. There seems to be some concern in the chat regarding uh, the weather. Uh, for, for uh, actually, yeah, I'll game. say
2: De- Deontay Johnson over Foreman too, uh, the. I think. So, okay, for, so uh, Deontay at, or Connor, it's tough for me to call.
1: At the very least, you can kick the can down the road and make that lineup decision on Sunday as opposed to making it tonight. Um, let's see here. Um, would you start with, with that same thing in mind, Cade Otten over Kyle Pitts.
2: Uh, I would not. Okay. Actually, actually, Pitt. I mean, if if we see JC Horn on Pitts, that's not great. But if they don't put Horn on Pitts, he's open.
1: Yes, yes, and then one more here. Um, this one I, I feel like it, the answer is fairly obvious. Should you trade Devontae Adams for AJ Brown and Cordell Patterson?
2: Yes. I mean Adams might rank surprisingly high versus Brown in PPR, but yeah, I believe in Corderell and I think Brown uh, will probably score touchdowns at a significantly higher clip than Adams, not last week aside. So yeah, I would probably make that trade for the AJ yeah, Brown side.
1: I, lo- I love touchdowns, so give me AJ Brown. Um <laughs> back to back to the this uh, Rams cards uh, matchup. Uh, Anything further as far as you know? What what can the Rams
2: do if Stafford is is like out or limited? Uh, They're just a piece away, John. It's it's too bad they couldn't trade a couple first rounders for some anybody at all. Who cares? Just get rid of those picks. Um, I don't know what the Rams can do. They suck. They have no good players aside from Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah,
1: they're they're like a a more gilded version of the saints. You got like three good players, you're in cap hell, and there's no
2: way out. Yeah, it'd be like if the Saints kept trying to make trades uh even though they don't have any picks coming up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know what yeah. I really have no like I I I wish I could talk to Sean McVay cuz I really want to know like dude, tell me what you think is going on right now because I think you're missing something.
1: I don't know, man. I just got a lot of hair gel in. Um, we so,
2: had a good uh, week of practice. We just need somebody to. I'll bench them next week, but this week I want to give somebody at running back twenty five carries and bench everybody else. And if I do this enough times, like it'll everything will start being good again.
1: It's our only way past forward, man. Um anyway, offense. Yes, I'm in for it. Go I, at least it. <laughs> At least uh no Kyron Williams uh world. Um two more games, night games to to hit before we roll out. Niners, Chargers, Niners seven point favorites in this one at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Your thoughts?
2: Uh yeah, I I guess we'll see on the injury report, uh I wonder if guys like Armstead and Kinlar are any closer to coming back. Uh, I assume Verrett's going to play more in upcoming weeks. So uh, this 49ers defense had a lot of missing players for, God, I guess it's been most of the year now. Right. And uh, if they ever get Armstead back, it looks like, uh, is Kinlar on IR or did he come back already? He's on IR, yes. Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, if they ever get those two back, they'll – start playing even better on defense like if you know Greenlaw missed some time maybe he's at least uh an addition for this week but i don't know I, I, like i want to i think the 49ers are the better team and i want to pick them but herbert versus garoppolo is not something i'm ever gonna just sl- slam the the, uh, the garoppolo side of that like it's not Like That seems like it could go wrong to me, even if Garoppolo has a ton of structural advantages, which he does, but it's like Garoppolo always has structural advantage and he has plenty of bad games. So Mm -hmm. uh, I will say, though, he has no good excuse for it. He should have plenty of help. I would imagine Shanahan can pretty much toy with the run defense of the Chargers. Uh, So not that it's bold to point this out, but McCaffrey could have a really, really big game here. And if he doesn't, it's probably because the Chargers did something on defense to sell out to stop him. And they probably forgot to do something to deal with Kittle. You know, it's like if they manage to stop McCaffrey, it's probably because other things went wrong for them instead. Uh, In in which case, they could still win the game, but they need Herbert to play heroically, Uh, which again, he might not have Allen. He already for sure doesn't have Mike Williams. The 49ers defense. Uh, maybe it's not going to be in time for this game, but getting Greenlaw back alone is, is a bit of a getting healthy kind of thing. Verette might help them at corner. So it seems like it's it's a tough spot for Herbert. And it's like the Chargers, as they're currently built, Herbert can win for them against a Falcons-type team or maybe somebody a little better than them. But I feel like 49ers is just like it, you're – you're – you're just kind of walking into something difficult here, and, and you're not you're not strong enough right now to deal with it.
1: Yeah, it, you know, if the Chargers were healthy, you know, the line would would obviously be different. I I am on the Chargers to cover seven. Um, yeah, but, that's a lot know, of points. Right. So that that's my thing. It's just too much to trust uh, with, with Jimmy G, especially when you have Herbert on the other side. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not expecting the the Chargers to go up there and win. I, I think that the Niners are one of the most complete teams. In football, and you know, they they, you know, if you and, got them in the Super Bowl odds, you know, they are probably like 12th or 14th a, a couple of months ago, and now you know they're, I think, safely uh in the top six or seven.
0: Yeah, as I really far like as the, the those of, they
2: should they should be in the NFC Championship game against uh the Eagles. Um, yeah, the other thing about this particular matchup that will be interesting to see is if uh if the 49ers can get Fred Warner on Eckler specifically and uh what that might look like.
1: Yeah, if they if Warner can can slow Eckler, especially when Eckler was all that much. Yeah. yeah. Cause, you know, Eckler's so important to them right now with um with those key injuries to the to the receiving core. <laughs> it's so did funny you, did you that... see his uh his almost touchdown where he rolled over the guy last week?
2: Uh no. I but I was just gonna say it's so funny how in the off season he was just like publicly pleading that the the Chargers get some other running back to to hand off the ball to this year and they're like counter offer what if we gave you almost twice as much work like what if what if yeah that's really interesting uh, can can you maybe do uh, yeah uh, just just take your 12 carries raise that to 22 and and also catch as many passes as last year
1: yeah it's like the the pawn stars uh, meme like best i can do is double your workload um so pretty good, pretty good uh verbal meme there, gotta say. Um let's see, let's hit a couple more questions and then Monday nighter. Um let's see, Christian Kirk or Josh Palmer.
2: Oh boy. Um God, I'm like the absolute wrong person to be asking this question because I'm like we higher have, on Christian, Christian Kirk. Kirk. I will say there could be some kind of like garbage time kind of volume there for Kirk. I mean if if the Jaguars are losing by 17, Lawrence is probably throwing at least 35 passes. I don't know how many of those can go to Zay and Marvin Jones. So uh okay. I think I'd go Kirk, but I I I would not at all criticize someone going with Palmer. Yeah,
1: they they are uh 23 and 25 respectively in our, in our wide receiver rankings for this week. Um last one, you know, again, that this has to do with tonight's game, DJ Moore in the rain, or Jeff Wilson against Cleveland?
2: That's tough, because I don't want to say no to DJ Moore, but uh, the Cleveland run defense is really... Also, the rain, maybe I'm missing something, but I feel like it's not supposed to be that bad. Uh, People are freaking out. I mean, sometimes the weather can change quickly relative to recent forecasts, and sometimes people are just like hey, I'm in Charlotte, check out the weather. And people are like, oh my God, that's not light rain. And maybe that would happen. Maybe that's what's happening right here. But it's supposed to be light rain. And it's not even supposed to be like a lock that it happens during the game. It's supposed to be like yeah, probably for part of the game, you know, so sometimes rain does not have as much of an effect as people expect it to. It, I think it's safe to say wind pushing over 15 miles per hour more reliably drags down a passing game than any rain under you know moderate level so i'm not saying skip out on dj Moore, but i the wilson thing is tough for me to pass over to because the cleveland run defense is basically a no-show and i think the dolphins are going to move the ball pretty much at will in that game so i, I just think it sets up really well for wilson is more the thing
1: okay and uh uh, resident meteorologist Dave points out that um, there is a wind advisory from seven oh. o'clock onward this evening. So, uh,
2: listen time. I gotta say, I'm not seeing these things, but uh, yeah, 40 mile per hour winds is really quite bad. It's just it's uh, seen, the forecast that I'm looking at. It has it more around like 10 to 12 miles per hour. Uh, which That's I what Google would, is telling me, too. Which I would assume means maybe 20 mile per hour gusts. I know a lot about wind being... Yeah, wow. Because uh, <laughs> all the lakes and also the deteriorating uh, climate. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> usually usually you're talking like 20 mile per hour gusts and not necessarily that often if you got like a 12 mile per hour base wind. All right. I hope
1: everyone was taking notes for their weather and climate class on that one. I got a B in weather and climate, uh, my freshman year at Georgia. So, um, pretty much an expert to uh,
2: science requirement. You're getting. Yeah.
1: yeah the, uh, the, uh, science requirement for guys who weren't doing
2: anything remotely scientific. Um, I uh, know that class track very well. I actually got one of my credits in that category in gym. Oh, Summer gym rules. They made us, they made us guess a couple things on a worksheet one time, but it was mostly like go for a walk. <laughs> That class sounds
1: incredible. I I could probably pass that one too. Um, let's see here. All right, let's wrap it up. We got Eagles Commanders. This line stayed pretty stable throughout the week. Eleven ten and a half points, depending on where you're looking, in favor of the Eagles. Um, I like Washington to cover this one, I, and I don't think it's because I'm you know. Uh, feeling jilted from the Eagles not covering against the Texans. I just think that Washington can keep it somewhat respectable.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I guess uh, there's a few injuries to keep a track of over the week. But, um, I mean, the Eagles seem mostly fine. So as long as that's the case – uh, I, I think they kind of roll uh, the question, I guess. Yeah. Like you were saying is what about the spread specifically? And I don't know. I, I, I guess that's just kind of a lot of points, but I also struggle to imagine how Washington's going to score like at all. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the, the Philadelphia run defense is not great, but is it so bad that Brian Robinson's going to do anything? I doubt it. Uh, and if they're not going to, utilize Antonio Gibson as a downfield receiver. It's so funny, by the way, how stupid Scott Turner is. He's like, I, I I gotta I gotta make my JD McKissick packages. I gotta I gotta have my JD McKissick plays. And if it's the answer is, Well you can't have any. We're, we're not playing McKissick and he's like, Well fine, then no I'm not throwing to the running back. No running back targets. We don't it's not important anymore. I said it was but now it's not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, not dialing up plays for Antonio Gibbs. Like, I am so sick of these idiots. Get this moron out of here. Never, never. If I see anybody hiring Scott Turner as a play caller again, I'm just crossing that team off. Idiots, idiot, stupid fail son nepotism case.
1: And uh, yeah, so we have likely more of that this week, uh, more frustrating usage. Yeah, out of that Washington offense. Uh, in Heineke, we trust, but we can only really trust Heineke so much against this Eagles that, team.
2: That pass rush is coming for him, you know, like the, the fun always ends with Heineke in some kind of crash. And yes. I don't, I don't mean like, Oh, is caffeine crash kind of analogy. I mean, like he runs into something. It's a very literal version. He runs into something too fast and is hurt. And uh, this, this, you know, I really hope it doesn't happen, but this is the kind of game where he finds a way to get, uh, you know, he, he ends up in, you Know 10 feet in the air and doing some kind of snowboarding trick that he didn't mean to, and, and you yeah. don't know how it's going to end.
1: Yeah, that when Heineke does a McTwist, um, that's when we know that we're going to start to see Sam Howell, Looks um, like
2: they're not going to cover. Oh boy,
1: <laughs> dang it. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much oh, uh, better than Wentz, though. I've got to
2: put that in real quick because that's just oh, yeah, how bad oh, Wentz yeah. is.
1: He stinks. Um, any uh, notable observations from this Philly offense in this game where you know they, they could be up a good bit?
2: Yeah, I guess part of why I almost don't trust them to cover these, these double-digit spreads is that they don't have the back-breaking runner, the guy who can really make the defense get pushed over that edge of going from kind of tired to broken. Like, Miles mm-hmm. Sanders can exploit open field great, and he can even take 20 carries in a game sometimes but he's never going to make the defense hurt you know he's, there's never going to be the defense tackling him and you you hear like the shoulder pads the way the way you do with some of these other running backs and i think it is important to have that kind of player to get that kind of outcome with the defense and i think you do want to break the defense if you're talking double digit point spread uh you want to be able to just kind of sit on the ball and say like we're we're just getting rid of the clock from now on we we like this uh, 13 point lead we have we shall be keeping it um, but if you have Miles Sanders you you might just find yourself stuffed on first and second down and incomplete pass on third and uh, backdoor cover after the punt
1: yeah I mean uh, the the Eagles I might have pointed this out last week but they were first in the league in in first half scoring and like 27th in second half scoring so um, that, that that always leaves you open to to Eel Let's
2: go get Jordan Howard. To he's, he's gotta be free. He's, he's just, probably just hanging have, out. Like last year, just call up Jordan Howard and simply have a power game again. Yeah. It's
1: not that hard. Um, that's gonna do it for us here on this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Of course, remember to tune in to Friday's edition. Ryan Belangie's Scott Genstad breaking down the DFS slate. For this weekend of games, uh, I'm expecting a lot of Indianapolis Raiders stacking, uh, of course, in that one. But no, they, they will actually give you good actionable DFS advice for that one. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening to the Road Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, again brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage.
0: Try Road today, free for 10 days.
1: Get our premium tools rankings analysis and breaking news alerts no credit
0: card required go to rotowire.com forward slash try
3: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality